Uh, great to be worshiping with you. This is just a wonderful time of year, uh, dwarfed only by our Easter season, but here we are uh, around the corner uh, looking forward to uh, our Christmas time together uh, with family and friends and then with the people of God together. And uh, we especially are th uh, thankful for our visitors who've come today. Uh, we have some special folks who aren't uh, necessarily visitors, but the sprinklers, spring sprinklers, the sprinkles are with us. The sprinkle, I've never said that before. Sprinkles are with us, uh, and uh, we are so glad that they've uh, come there. Uh, we'll hear more from them in the days to come. Uh, they are uh, living and, and serving in, in Russia and... Uh, uh, have lots of stories to tell, and so we look forward to hearing how the gospel goes forth. So, uh, so welcome our guests today. We need to be able to say "Dobre, dobre utra, dobre utra." Can you say that? "Dobre utra." Good morning. You're welcome. Glad that y'all are here. Ah. They are, the rest of them are, are coming in too. So, great. We we'll look forward to sharing um, this season and more together for the next few months as they're visiting with us. Uh, today we are in Psalm 36. If you'll turn your Bibles, turn in your Bibles there, we'll have it also on the screen. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we have some in the back. We'd love to, for you to pick one up on the way out uh, that you can use at home as well. Um, and as we look at this psalm, uh, not too long ago, we had a class on hermeneutics, uh, on biblical interpretation. And so one of the things we looked at is that um, there's a kind of literature uh, found here, uh, found uh, among the, the, the Hebrew poet in ho Hebrew poetry that is uh, called, it uses something called a chiasm in which it, uh, the, the poetry or the psalm is created in such a way that uh, the ends of the psalm match, and as you go in, the next level matches, and then when you get to the center of it, that's the good stuff, that's the focus of those verses. And so Psalm 36 it's just a big chiasm, so the stuff at the beginning is like the stuff at the end. They somehow parallel each other until you get to the middle gooey nougat in the middle. And so we'll end up with the nougat in a little bit. But the first, few, the first four verses are a description of the wicked, those who are lost. So I don't, I don't want us to miss that. Um, let me read those verses for us today. Sin whispers to the wicked. Deep within their hearts, they have no fear of God at all. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. Everything they say is crooked and deceitful. They refuse to act wisely or do good. They lie awake at night hatching sinful plots. Their actions are never good. They make no attempt to turn from evil. Ugh. Merry Christmas. This is the way of the wicked. That the way of the wicked is like those who are stuck in their closet without the light on. Fumbling around, trying to make sense of the world. Making sense of, of why and what as they touch things trying to understand, is this what the world is about? It's somewhat fluffy, some, some, something like wool, something triangular, something, and never understanding. Never understanding what the true world out there is about. 
because they are locked in. Their minds are darkened, so they cannot see. To make things worse, they aren't acting alone. So in that darkness, verse 1 says, sin whispers to the wicked deep in their hearts. So not only do the wicked not able, are they not able to understand the world around them because they are in darkness, there is an enemy who is continually speaking into their hearts and whispering, no, no, this is what it is. This is how, this is how to understand the world around you. As they try to make sense, they, they are just guessing. They're guessing as to what the world is like. And sometimes in their guessing, they actually get the right answers. They understand how practically things work, but they don't get the real answer. They're guessing. It's a true shot in the dark as to understanding who we are and who God is and how the world works. The thing is, all of us have been the wicked. All of us are sinners. We've all had those moments, right, where we've asked those questions. Is there a God? As we fumble in the darkness. Where is God? Why is there so much darkness if there is a God? And if there is a God and there's so much darkness, he, he must be bad, leaving me in this darkness living in pain, and others living in pain, and what tragedies happen around us is God, is God powerless to stop, or does he not care, or does he not care about me, or does he not care about this child or, or this woman? God's rules make no sense, and they don't seem to help me in this darkness. They just add to the darkness. They're confusing. They're difficult. I can't keep them. They only serve to make things worse in this darkness. The problem is, we've all had thoughts like that before, haven't we? We've all wondered the same things, groping in the darkness, wondering what this is all about. All the while, there is a, a little voice that adds doubt. As we look around, we see there is a God, yet there is a voice that whispers and said, Is there? Is there? Those who are looking in the darkness to understand the world around them. The only thing that is here is here for them. Only those things that they can experience and touch. So it is with the world. We become enamored with those things that we can touch and feel and experience. We seek after those things that will please us. Things that are, are useful to us gaining wealth, trying to understand the, the political world around us, trying to understand relationships. But it is even worse because he says here that they lie awake at night hatching sinful plots. So as they sit there on their beds, their, their thoughts aren't after God. And our thoughts weren't after God either. We either wallow in our misery or we think about how we can find our way, or we think about things that we can do to satisfy that emptiness in us. It's the way of the world. They plot just to feel good, to, to numb the feeling of loss. You know, there, there are people that 
as we look around in our lives, people that we even listen to today, that as we listen to them, even though they're not Christians, we go, there's some truth to that. You know what I mean? You listen to them, you go like, that is how life works. Like the kings and queens of life hacks, right? You listen, you go, they got something there. Uh, many of us like enjoy Jordan Peterson. If you have a, he, he's a, he's a, a psychologist and he's a, 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 a great speaker. And when you listen, you say, man, he's, he, he's got it. Like, he's interpreting things a lot better than the rest of the world. And we look at him and we think to ourselves, well, oh, this guy's a smart guy. And he's Canadian. Right? Eh? So he's got to be really smart, or at least really nice. And so we look at him and we think, well, he, there is something there. Like, he's on to something. But even those who are wise, whether it's a, whether it's a Jordan Peterson or it's some people like a Joe Rogan or like they're, they're, they have coaches in life, like they are understanding as they're feeling in the darkness, they're groping for something, and they they find something practical to, that will somehow make our life better, but the reality is they are still blind guides. They can tell you how things work or, or, or what works, but they can't necessarily tell you why they work. They don't have their foundation built upon a faith in Jesus Christ. It seems like they figured things out. And so I want to encourage us, brothers and sisters, as we listen to these people who make a lot of sense to understand they are still blind guides. Have you ever heard a life coach say to you, what you really need to do is confess your sins before the Lord and before each other? Maybe if they're a Christian life coach, right? But and why would we do something like that? Because the Word of God tells us to. Those are the things that bring life to us. So the second half of this chiasm is for those who have received this life, who've stepped out of the closet. Listen to these verses. I'll start in verse 5. Your, your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the ocean depths. Does somebody want to sing that? You care for people and animals alike, O oh Lord. Even my little dog. How precious is your unfailing love, O oh God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from your rivers of delights. For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see, pouring out our unfailing love on those who love you. Give justice to those with honest hearts. Don't let the proud trample me or the wicked push me around. Look, those who do evil have fallen. They are thrown down, never to rise again. As David is writing this song, he is seeing how those who have experienced the light of God, who know the unfailing love of God, they have a correct understanding of what this world is all about. 
those who are in the light of God can now see the world from the right perspective, that God is good, that God is loving, that God is just, that God is right. Whenever we read, the, read John, St. John from the New Testament, whether it's in his gospel or, or later as we see in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, he is always saying things about how we serve this God of love. In 1st John chapter, in John chapter 1, verse 4, it says, The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought life to everyone. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. In 1 John 4, he says, God is love. So if that is the truth, if that is the reality, as we step out of the closet and we begin to look at the world from a different matrix, to understand it in a different way, that our God loves us, that he is the king of all creation, we then ask these questions. What is the value of wealth? We don't just ask, how do you make wealth? But we say, what is the purpose of wealth? How does it serve in this larger kingdom? It isn't just about how to make it, it's what to do with it and why I should do anything with it. And we understand now as we look at our wealth and our possessions, we say it's not just for my accumulation or for my power or, or for my, my own selfish regards, but it's for, for the purpose of furthering the kingdom, to share with those in need, to take care of our families, to celebrate with others how good God is. What about as we understand the world around us in scientific discovery? The smaller catechism asks this question, what is the work of creation? The answer is, the work of creation is God's making all things out of nothing by the word of his power in the space of six days and all very good. Do you want to know what all of this is about? As we look in with science and try to understand the physical world around us, what is the truth? The truth is that it's all created by God out of nothing. And it is a beautiful and very good thing that God has made. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so, that we, so what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And so now we engage with the physical world around us. We look into the physical world around us with, with, a, with a vision of a God who has created these things. And so now we can enjoy them. We, we need not be afraid of science and the discoveries of science because we know that God is God over all. I want to say in my early, not my early, my early and mid-faith journey, there is this kind of underlying fear. Like, if you really press this, like, there's smarter people out there who say this is not right, and will it stand up? Anybody been there before? You're like, I don't know. Is it going to stand up? But I want to tell you, the deeper you look, the more you find Jesus. And it does hold up. Because that is the rubric from which all things came. So press into faith. You don't have to check your mind at the door. Your mind comes with you. Because now we have a vision for the world around us that's different from what everybody else has. And, and as you press all of those theories and ideas, 
you keep pressing him, keep pressing him, you'll find that the answer has to be God. So now we interpret our life around us with the understanding that we serve a God of creation. We become aware that as we look around and try to understand why things are happening or why, why, the, why the world is the way it is or why I act like I do, we are aware that there's still a small voice whispering to us, right? That's still lying to us. We have to go back to the Word of God and correct that. We need to come together in fellowship and correct those things. That's the way of the people of God. We walk now in light. But now comes the really good news. Let's, let's go back to Psalm 36. Psalm 36 is that nuclear core in Iron Man's suit. So listen, this is it. Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Do you get what he's saying here? He's saying, you won't ever understand how great the love of God is for you. But that doesn't mean you should stop trying to understand it. <laughs> Your unfailing love, O oh Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. We are not faithful people, but if you try to to put a measurement to how God is faithful to us, how he continues to pursue us, how he never gives up on us, as his love takes us from our sin today into eternity. You can't measure it because it goes beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. It is immovable. It is, you can't comprehend it. You can't move it. It is there. Do you get it? Righteousness. You can't move it. Sorry, he's so excited. Your justice like the ocean's depths. You care for your people and animals alike, oh Lord. How precious is your unfailing love, oh God. You know, as, as David writes this, it's hard to know exactly what's going through his mind, how he understands that there's going to be a Messiah who comes. God is speaking through him. And even uh, there are several proofs to the understanding of uh, of who God is and, and some of the, and, and the, the prophecies of the Messiah coming. But when he speaks about the vastness and the awesomeness of God, it is so perfectly affixed to the person of Jesus Christ. And so when we come toge together during this Advent season, we look for this Savior who has come. We remind ourselves of the Savior come because there is no one who embodies no, no greater picture of the great love of God. This love that would send His Son to die on the cross. This love that would send Him to us again to take us home with Him. This is the great love that God has for us, a perfect picture in Jesus Christ. 
so this Christmas season, as you look into the manger, remember a love that is so vast for you. that it surprises even the angels. Brothers and sisters, sin still whispers to us today. Satan still lies. But you and I have been given a great gift. Don't flounder in darkness. Groping for understanding. Brothers and sisters, let us step into the light. Walk in faith. Consider the world around us. Seeing his glorious order in his ways. Align your life with a God who is faithful, who is just, who is right. Let us be the people of God who loves us so. Amen.